0: welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen and Grace Johnson to talk about the philanthropy issue of Door County Living Magazine. This is something that we do every year right around this time. Uh, We have the philanthropy issue. It's been printed and it's my understanding that it's not quite being mailed out yet but that's coming soon, correct?
1: yeah it uh it will get sent to mailboxes throughout the county in late may early june uh but
0: right now you can find it on newsstands pretty much everywhere on the peninsula perfect so if you're up here you can come out and grab it you'll get it in your mailbox soon Thank you both for coming in and chatting with me. As I understand it, this issue was a really cool one to work on, and it has a focus that's a, a little unlike some of the stuff that we've done in the past. Uh, can you tell me what the focus of this issue was? Sure. Uh, every year, we when we look at our philanthropy issue, we try to pick a
1: theme to center our efforts and our assignments. Uh, early on, it was a little easier to do it because in the first couple of years of putting this issue together, we could tackle a ton of different projects. But as you go on, it's, it's a little... It helps us to kind of get on the same thread by uh, picking a theme and kind of finding all these little tangents and really diving into that one area. And as we talked about it this year, you know, for a number of reasons, it just seemed natural to focus it on women's organizations. It I think it kind of happened a little bit out of the Me Too movement, but although I don't think it would be, I wouldn't tie it very strongly to that, I think it, for me, it just kind of made sense as I'm involved in a lot of organizations and a lot of the things I cover, you just start to realize that there are so many strong, awesome women doing some really innovative things, some cool things like what they're doing at NWTC to help young mothers go back to school, finish degrees, things like that to just make you realize, especially for myself, obviously writing through a, a man's point of view all the time, sometimes you kind of, you realize how much you're missing in the community until you stop yourself and really lock in on a on a segment of the population. And I think all of our staff pretty quickly was falling in line with with that idea.
0: When we're working on the the paper every week, but, but even more so when we're working on the magazine throughout the year, it's kind of an all hands on deck thing. You've got so many different moving parts coming together to create what you see finally at the end of the day. Uh, Grace, what is your part in putting together the magazine every year?
2: Well, I'm just kind of new to being more involved uh, with the magazine starting at the end of last year you can kind of consider me a writer wrangler almost. My job is to help send out the assignments that are going to be for each of the magazines and then kind of make sure everyone is staying on track with their deadlines, turning their stuff in, making sure that the editorial team is getting to those pieces in a timely fashion so that we can get them edited, sent over to Layout and Layout can work on it and then off to the final product that it is.
0: So Like I said, there's a ton of different moving parts and you've started to kind of take over the organizational part Mm -hmm. of it. Tell me a little bit about working on this issue specifically. Give me kind of an overview of some of the stories that you can find within it uh, and then how it all kind of came together.
2: From my perspective, you know, Miles can talk about his obviously, I was definitely jazzed about the theme for this year. I think it is super important. And like Miles said, sometimes you kind of get into that grind and you don't realize that you're missing such an obvious perspective or point of view. I think the hard part thinking about it is the idea that in a lot of these women empowerment movements, I think one of the problems comes from um, women doing awesome, amazing and successful things um, are often compared to one another, which becomes a problem. A lot of guys who have made great accomplishments, their accomplishments stand on their own. Women's accomplishments are usually compared to one another, putting one person's success above another, which is, I don't know why that happens. I don't know where that came about. So going into it, it was a little hard because we don't have pages for every single amazing woman that is in this county that has done so much. And we had to narrow it down to only a few people and a few organizations and things that are happening. So
1: She's right. That yeah. that was immensely difficult. And it's something that you always have in the back of your head because up here, we know everybody. If you overlook somebody, you're going to hear about it. and Or even if you don't hear about it, you sort of know it. And like, oh, I wish we could have gotten that person in or this organization in. And in putting these things together, you got to kind of set that aside and be like, all right, there's going to be some criticism. We're going to miss some people. You can't get wrapped up watering everything down by trying to do everything. And you try to give a pretty good cross section of all these amazing people. You know, something we try to do with this philanthropy issue is not just about can you give a bunch of money away. That's an incredibly important part of this community. And I don't mean to minimize any of the like, the, the amazing philanthropists who 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 give so much of their money to our local organizations. But you know whether it's uh, somebody who's serving on a board or volunteering their time or stepping up and, and filling like an executive director role like our Northrop did at the Door Community Auditorium when that organization was desperate for some leadership, there's a lot of different ways that people contribute. So we try to get a, a cross-section of that, different ages, different parts of the county, different types of organizations are all doing something to fill that gap. There's one more point about how we came to that. Uh, the New York Times had a really cool series that they started last year, maybe even two years ago, called Overlooked. And I mentioned this a little bit in my intro to this philanthropy issue, is that they went back and they realized there were some incredibly accomplished women who weren't mentioned in the obituaries of the New York Times. They didn't get an obituary when they obviously should have. And they, as they went back through history, it's overwhelmingly male. Uh, the number the people who get their obituaries written in the Times, they've embarked on this project to kind of go back and find these people that they never recognized their accomplishments, and it got really got me thinking. Like, oh man, we've probably done that too. I write a lot of our in memoriams, and I'm guessing if I went back and looked through them all, they're probably predominantly male. Part of that is I'm a guy, uh, and you, you kind of can get confined to the circles you're in. Part of it is a lot of women were denied those opportunities to be in leadership positions. So it's, and, and it, and even it goes to like who we think of as the leaders. And then our County board is made up predominantly of men. Our town boards are predominantly men. Our, our nonprofits, the board members just end up being men because those are men who are at the head of the businesses. So there's so many, areas where you see that uh, women have just not gotten the opportunity to be in those positions. And so that just like, all right, let's take this one issue and, and really focus on that and show people some of those models that are out there, the different ways that that people lead and, and give them, hopefully inspire some people. What was great today is somebody said to us, they came in, they saw the issue, they said, that was a beautiful issue. Those stories are beautiful. It's really inspiring. And that last part is the thing that I think is hopefully what this does is people read this and go, oh, there, here's an example of a way I could maybe kind of make a bigger difference or be a part of an organization and, and see a model to, to do that.
0: Anything from a high schooler to a retiree. Okay, why don't we take a break? And then when we come back, Miles, you sat down with Jess Farley from the office to talk about the Women's Fund of Door County, but to also talk about the the Women's Fund Story Slam that just happened and her experience telling a story for that. Uh, So we'll jump into that right after the break. Grace, there is nothing that I love more than lighthouses and state parks.
2: Oh my gosh, no way, me too.
0: I just wish that there was, I don't know, some sort of way that I could capture my love for those things in a physical way that maybe I could put on the wall or something.
2: Well, you are in luck, my friend. If you visit dorkcountypulse.com slash shop, you can find exactly those items.
0: You mean we actually put together a series of state park posters and an incredible collection of lighthouses all in one piece of artwork that you can buy online
2: that we did Andrew that we did I didn't know that we had an online shop what else can I get there you can also buy some pulse stickers door County living stickers you can subscribe to door County living or the peninsula pulse if you are not in door County you can buy our annual door wedding guide and you can also buy uh, lighthouse postcards if you do not want the full poster but might want to add a little something something in your gift package
0: I'm looking at the shop right now And I just noticed that we have Peninsula Pulse hats with the dog logo and everything. Grace, I think I am sold. Where can I go to find all of this stuff one more time?
2: www.dorkcountypulse.com slash shop.
0: All right, we're
1: back here and we have a podcast newbie from the office joining us, Jess Farley. She is one of our sales managers here at the Peninsula Pulse, but also somebody who's been involved in some different women's organizations. You are a mom in the county. You are uh, for a long time been like kind of a a voice of the mom in the office in in many ways here at the Pulse. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about this philanthropy issue through your eyes of what it means and, and what the value is in In this publication of us highlighting some of these different women's organizations and the things they do and and the women doing so many incredible things in our community
3: yeah so we live in a really fortunate community where support is available for all women from all walks of lives no matter what they need um the women's fund is hands down awesome you know, they focus on education and support, and it's all about women and girls, folks that need help. There is also Help of Door County, which, you know, focuses on women and men that are struggling and are in toxic situations in their lives. And that is just an awesome thing that we have available in our community as well. Not everybody everywhere has these resources and our community steps up and really makes those available for folks.
1: And it's, you know, to the outsider looking in, you you tend to see the paradise maybe of Door County of the beaches and the vacation land. And so many people do need a hand. And that's not something that people notice um, until you get to know some people and, and what they go through and the struggle to raise a family or create a home on this peninsula. And those those different organizations, especially the women's fund. I've been really intrigued by a lot of programs that they've done over the years. And when they first launched, I got to admit, I was like, okay, why do we need like a women's fund? You know, typical guy, not like anti, but I was just like, what's another nonprofit up here? And then you see what they do and the things that are, the gaps they're filling. And it's really remarkable.
3: Yeah. It's really outstanding. The things that they do, everything from making sure that, um, preschool age children, start reading and have resources to do that in their homes to adults that need to go back to school and need a little assist financially for that. And everything in between, it's really an awesome organization.
1: And even like bringing the awareness of those programs that exist, like you probably see this, like so many people, I, I feel like I've overheard you talk to so many people and you've made me aware of so many different things that are available up here to to families and and young folks, um, old folks too. Uh but they're, they're really things like the Women's Fund or even like the PEO and things that bring these things to the forefront and let people know that there are people out there to help. them. Help of Door County, a great example of that. People just don't know that that those resources are available.
3: Yeah, they're really outstanding organizations that, like I said, aren't readily available everywhere you live, and we have them here. And you know, there are resources that if you need help, you can basically ask folks because people just know what's going on. We live in a really wonderful place. People are connected.
1: This last weekend, you took part in the Women's Fund Story Slam, uh, the Tales of Our Lives, at the Door County Fire Company down in Sturgeon Bay. Uh, I had the pleasure of attending for the first time this year. That They started that after I had moved away. And then since I've been back, I just haven't been around for that. What an amazing event that is. You, you parked took this year for the first time. Tell us a little bit about what it is and what your experience was like.
3: So yeah, I actually, you know, this is something that I've wanted to overcome for myself for years is get in front of a group of people and tell a personal story. And I had one to tell this year. So I went and found the organizers of the event um leading up to them getting it going and said hey i have a story put me on your list and they were like really and i said yes please i really want to get up there just let me do this so i can do this for myself this is a big growth piece for me um building up to it it i second guessed it a lot the story was very personal the day i went into it it i shut off all emotions and i just got up on stage and started talking and sharing a story about an old friend who who I lost. And it was a really empowering experience. I had people coming up to me in the grocery store yesterday, hugging me and telling me how much my story touched them. Overall, having the opportunity to share that stage with six other people who were also brave and got up and told personal stories. I made six new, really intimate friends by sharing that experience with them. It's something I feel like everybody should jump into. If they have a story to tell, don't be afraid. People want to listen. They want to hear.
1: What is that? You you say it's an empowering experience and that it it did so much for you. What is it that that allows you to do other than obviously getting the story out? It's just got to help a lot. But I mean, you're getting in front of a hundred people on back-to-back days, looking out at a lot of friends in the audience. I I was watching you up there and I'm like, God, this would be really hard to do. I've given some presentations, but to tell such a personal story uh, like that in front of that many people, I don't think I've ever done that.
3: Well, Miles, it was really great that you were in the front row because you were a point of context. I could look at you, and I had people dotted throughout the audience that I, you know, ha- had as my go-to people. And the rest of it, I just looked over everybody's heads and just kept going.
1: Why is something like that important? How does that play into the mission of the Women's Fund and um, what their their goals are?
3: I really personally, I feel like it gives you the opportunity to look. people and not judge and realize everybody's lives have got experiences everybody's going through something and it just reminds you to go gently and be kind
1: well just I, i i would just tell anybody listening like if you get an opportunity to go to that story slam event next year. Definitely check it out. It's uh, just to see like not not performers, but just your neighbors getting up and telling some of the most personal stories or the most hilarious stories that they have. Um, It's not all just gut wrenching. Although this year, I think it was a little heavier um, on the heavier side. But I think in past years, it's been pretty funny, funny, and yep. it's usually what is it like six or seven women and one man generally yeah. as the mix yeah um really well organized day and um you really can't walk out of there without being inspired by your neighbors so it's a great event and uh again just awesome job at, on Thanks. your segment and there are some stories that some people have talked to us about even publishing in the pulse so keep an eye out for those we're just kind of finalizing that um but yeah, and keep these. This community's got so many amazing stories, and it's great to be part of telling them. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us, Jess. You're welcome. We're going to take a short break here, and then when we come back, we're going to dive deeper into this year's philanthropy issue and all of the stories and great people that we were able to profile in this year's edition of the Door County Living Philanthropy Issue.
3: They called themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay, because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood, and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen
2: came down the lake from Mackinac
3: Island, uh, worked their way along the north shore of Lake
1: Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries
2: for just one harvest season.
0: Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back. So why don't we jump into the issue a little bit. Tell me uh, some of the people that were highlighted and what stories we were able to gather from them. Grace, why don't you take this? Because I'm curious, I wrote some of
1: them, but mm-hmm. you were kind of in the vetting stage in, in your role, mm-hmm. um, working a lot with the different writers and helping guide the story to what is like the, the core of the story. What were the a couple of the ones that stood out to you?
2: Well, I mean, honestly, a lot of them this year were just kind of crazy interesting, and I'm not just saying that, but I, it's so interesting this year, kind of the uh, diversity of leadership that we decided to select, um, like Miles had said earlier. Uh, It's not always about uh, who gives the most amount of money, which it definitely helps. But I think we did a pretty good job of covering a spectrum of kind of different ladies. So uh, in the philanthropy issue every year, we have a section called Leading by Example. And we pick a handful of people who uh, we think are standout and... have just been doing some really interesting things in the community. So um, this year we're highlighted Karen Northrup, uh, who uh, people will probably know from Main Street Market. Miles had mentioned her earlier in her work with the Door Community Auditorium. Um, we did Megan Lundahl, who is, um, she's involved in the Women's Fund of Door County. She also um, has the Pearl that is down in Sturgeon Bay. It's a kind of like wellness and other fun stuff shop. Um, and then Diana Wallace and Mariah Good, we kind of combined together. Uh, we have Anne Egan and I'm going to butcher her last name because I'm really bad at this. Miles, you might need to help. Her name is Kendra. Um, I'm not going to be Kendra
1: Clarizio Bildu, I think. Okay. Is how I, it's said,
2: okay. I'm really bad with names, so I apologize. Kendra, um, she works with Habitat for Humanity. That is
1: just a great story. I mean, having gone from a Habitat partner family who she's a single mom with a couple of kids, and she got her home through Habitat for Humanity and then turned around and has become a board member for the organization and works on their fundraising organization and is about as passionate an advocate for an organization as you could hope for. And that was one that I got a chance to interview her. And to see someone so moved by what other people did for her, that she has just made it her her mission to help others do the same thing and, and teach others that like, Hey, you need help, speak up, ask for it. You don't have to be shy. You don't have to think you have to do everything on your own. She had to learn that lesson the hard way. It took her a long time to ask Habitat for help, and it changed her life. It changed her kid's life.
2: Another person that we covered was Anne Egan, and I know Anne very well, very personally. Um, I worked with her on Celebrate Water, which is uh, one of the reasons why we decided to highlight her this year. Um, she is kind of an example of um, a passion project, you know. That person who saw something didn't think enough was being done and decided if no one else is going to do it, then I'm going to do it. So um, Annie's son, uh, Danny Egan, wrote the book The Death and Life of the Great Lakes, which um, has become a fairly popular book um, in our Midwest region as well as through the um, entire country. Pulitzer nominated, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's...
1: That's pretty decent. I think that's good.
2: Yeah, you know, not too bad. <laughs> you know, it's
1: not quite pulse level, but Pulitzer is also... Yeah. Uh, something to hang your hat
0: yeah. on
2: I, I think so
0: Dan Egan was also noted for his appearance on uh, the late show or um, yes. the Colbert uh, report or it, it, I don't know yeah. if it was Colbert but it they definitely it was kind of a mockumentary kind of thing uh, where he was talking about how people do not take care of the Great Lakes enough that the issues surrounding the Great Lakes aren't as they don't rise to the top when it comes to like water quality issues and uh, their solution was to rename all lakes oceans <laughs> and it's a very funny segment and he tries so hard to just stay the course and, and be serious and get the message out. And it just, it, it it's a wonderful piece to to watch him do that with.
1: I don't know that he was trying so hard. It's just, I think that's just who he is, right? Like, <laughs>
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know Dan as well as I know Annie, but I mean, no, he seems like a great guy and I remember watching that segment that you were talking about and it's funny. Um, And you can tell that because the guy that was doing the interview was asking just really stupid questions. So maybe there was a bit, uh, some reality to his reactions and how inane and just, I'm sure he gets these questions a lot and is just finally being able to vent all of his frustrations in that uh, video. But who's to say.
0: Right. So uh, back to Annie. But
2: anyway, back to Annie. Um, uh, She's also great. Like her son. So she read – she was helping him do a little bit of proofing for his book. So she read it a lot. And um, after reading it, she just kind of realized – You know, the things are a lot worse than I had imagined. There's a lot that can be done. And um, she decided to bring that back home and try to make a change at home. And it's a well-suited cause up here as we are a peninsula and surrounded by water. So um, I was just very impressed by Annie and her drive and perseverance to get this whole thing together. It was a year-long initiative that ended with a three-day summit. And none of that would have happened if not for her passion. So I think that kind of leadership was Yeah, and amazing. in Annie's case,
1: that was a year of educational sessions, um, book readings, g- got a lot of people to pay attention to this issue on a on a deeper level than even up here where we talk about water all the time. That just like raised it to like another bar. Everything from groundwater quality to rising shorelines and water levels um, it, and invasive species was a big part of that as well. So yeah, seeing somebody take that on and just drive that forward is because i i I know how hard it is to get any initiative off the ground up here um and to see her do that in such a short time and then create such a um big event out of it like a year-long event was pretty inspiring um when you, you mentioned megan lundell um i'm inspired by anybody young who who will step up and run for office or take a leadership position uh in on this peninsula and megan has done that she When she was elected to county board a few years ago, I believe she was the youngest member of the county board one of very few women on the county board. And if you've ever met Megan, it's it's not surprising. I mean, she is a um, just a, a go-getter is like such a cliche word, but um, she is an, an impressive woman in terms of just like she's very knowledgeable about these issues. She goes out and talks to a lot of different people, comes to the table informed, and then puts her money where her mouth is and, and runs. And even like the Women's Fund has been very big in that organization and helped uh, organize the story slam and... I went to this last weekend, they, they had this year's edition of that. We also feature the Story Slam in this year's issue of the magazine. And that's just a really inspiring, a little bit gut-wrenching event to go through. Some people share some sometimes funny, sometimes just incredibly powerful stories of their lives. But uh, Megan is one of the spearheads behind that as well.
2: Yeah. And I also, um, she had talked about, because she is a business owner and uh, I like how she kind of tied that in when um, she was doing the interview and how she kind of seeps that um, into running her own business. She had talked about how everything that she is doing is about empowerment, um, and which I think is just kind of one of the larger overarching themes that kind of uh, ran through this issue was the idea of empowerment.
0: You know, one question that I had just as I was perusing the Magazine is that there there is always some kind of striking visual element or through line that I see just in the layout of the magazine, and I'm wondering at what point that actually comes into fruition. So for this magazine, there's a, a couple lines that are repeated over and over again. In fact, there's a whole full page spread. Um, can you can you tell me what those lines are?
2: Oh, it just uh, it says "leading by example."
0: Right, and and I see that in all these different you know fonts and stuff throughout the magazine. Is that a discussion that comes from the editorial side in terms of creating a through line throughout each piece or is that something that kind of makes its way in during the layout phase?
2: That is definitely layout our master layout guy Ryan Miller, he art director. Art director. <laughs> he is yes, he is first and foremost an artist and I think that really um, when we give him the time he can really play around with a lot of stuff and it offers um, to have more visual and layout elements that just add to the stories. So that's kind of going back a little bit. Another kind of one of part of my job is to get everything to him sooner so that he has uh, time to really look at the stories and understand the themes and the concepts and try to tie them all together visually. Um, So I, you know, That is definitely his uh, domain.
1: Yeah, generally, I wish I could take any credit at all for design elements in it because I think our our magazine, um, issue to issue, just comes out looking beautiful. And that is all on Ryan Miller. We we give some ideas and guidance, but generally what he comes back with is something where I go, I I hadn't even thought of that, but that looks amazing. That's so much better than the terrible idea I had in my head. (laughs) And he will generally do that. We hand him the content and... (laughs) And he ties in what the photos might be. Sometimes we'll ask him for original art, um, and then he just turns around with something incredible. Uh, but a lot of it comes with, you know, you get this idea in your head of an article, and that might be nine months, might be a year before the issue is going to come out. So you really have to think about, all right, how, how do we get a photo or some art to go with this piece and, and help this pop? Because as much as I love the written word, and that's what I do, it really... My portion of it is going to get seen by a lot fewer people if we don't have the right photography and we don't have the right art to make to draw someone's eyes to it and make them go, I want to read about this person. And that's done through the photos that Len Velano takes. It's done by through the planning that someone like Grace does and helping set up those photo shoots and, and get them done in time when at a time that makes sense, that'll pop in the publication. So it really is a lot more. It's, it's a lot more difficult than just like, oh, we have an idea. Let's just go get a photo. It's it's actually kind of hard to figure out when to get the, not just a good photo, but a photo that fits the story and helps tell the story. Ideally, it's not just like a, a headshot or a placeholder, but getting something that, that fits that
0: personality. Is there anything else important that people need to know about this year's philanthropy issue as we're kind of wrapping up here? Uh, like you said, it's available now, so you can pick it up if you find it on shelves everywhere in Door County. Uh, and it will be mailed to you soon as well. But anything else that people need to know uh, as they're picking this up?
2: Um, there, Aside from our Leading by Examples for this year, we do have a lot of really great um, feature stories. Uh, Miles had mentioned we have a um, story about the Tales of Our Lives, Story Slam, which is the program run by uh, Women's Fund of Door County. We have one about FIRE, which um, I think is really cool. It's a program run through Help of Door County um, that is all student student-led and student-based, and it is these group of um, young people that are trying to um, combat domestic violence and gender inequality in their um, age group. And we have a story about Carrie Bauman, which that is all just kind of been unfolding recently. Um, might have seen news just recently, but she was part of a group that passed the first legislation um, pertaining to dyslexia in Wisconsin, which is also a really great story. Uh, and we also highlighted PEO, which is the Philanthropic Education Organization. And it is comprised of um, chapters of women, and they support um, other young women who are going to school so they do a lot of, a lot of education scholarships um, and things like that. But then they also end up um, participating on a more on a more personal level with um, their scholars. We do talk about um, one such story Um, in this issue with Jen Moore. She had talked about how PEO helped her get her on her feet, help her get a new car, was there for her when she graduated. So, um, yeah.
1: The PEO, in spite of covering stuff all the time up here, until we put that topic on the agenda, I had no idea what that organization was. Didn't know it existed existed until we dive into this so that's always a fun part of doing these issues is because you find out those these little niche organizations that they exist up here
2: i have a fun note about that which you can uh, read about in the article but the reason um peo definitely there is probably a reason if you haven't heard of them is because they have been operating under the radar um for many many years and this was not just by happenstance, it was a choice. Um, they were an organization that wanted to remain in the wings of everything that was going on. So a lot of times there'd be fundraisers up here, and you wouldn't have any idea who they were, where the money was going to, and it was to them. So it was an organization that started off with um, groups of sororities, and they didn't want to. They didn't want to publicize what they were doing. And it was only a few years ago um, where they decided, you know, why do we need to? Um, hide what we're doing, you know, let's get some more people, let's get more people involved and, you know, really, you know, really get it going. So if you have not heard of them, that is probably why.
1: I I think one other message I think listeners and our our readers should get back to us is I I I think we we do a good job of trying to think and be self-critical and think about like how are we covering this or are we covering issues of importance to this community or that community. We, we've taken some strides to use more gender neutral pronouns, um, which I'm sure some people are like, oh, that's just PC um, run amok kind of thing. But it's I think it's been really valuable to start changing things instead of congressmen, instead of um, just re- referring to them as representative. It's small changes that are really no sweat off our back, but can help change the the framing of Who gets to be a leader in our community. And it's a a very small thing, changing pronouns, that's not going to make it happen altogether. But it does maybe put a little subtle nod in people's heads to know that that position doesn't have to be defined through a man's eyes. I was raised, I have four sisters, one brother, and was always kept on my toes about this stuff by my sisters, especially my little sister, who is very quick to uh, point it out whenever I might include something like that in an article. Um, But we also have a great staff of women here who have stepped into leadership positions and, and do that as well. But if our readers ever catch anything or want to point stuff out, like I
0: encourage that feedback at any chance they want to send it. Yeah. That is something that's really important. Just breaking. And it's something that I feel like my generation doesn't have nearly as much as older generations do where it's like, I kind of grew up talking about firefighters and the police or police officers. I didn't really have the firemen, policemen, congressmen. I didn't have that, that vocabulary growing up as much. Uh, That's probably a distinct thing
1: with your generation versus mine.
0: Might right. have been like that last era where that was just the norm yeah uh, and it's something that i guess you don't really think of top of mind like what's the what's the problem with saying firemen or policemen or something like that but what you had mentioned there i think is the takeaway is that by by reinforcing the man part of that you are subtly shaping people's view of who can do those jobs right, right? um so yeah that, that's important it's something that i've definitely seen as i've dipped my head into the editorial side of thing i've seen that coming up and i think it's really uh, important that we are trying to put our best foot forward with that and be as inclusive as we possibly can with all of the stuff that we're doing. And I think that that just ties us back into why it was so important to feature the women that we featured in this issue. Uh, and I'm glad that we were able to do it. And I think that it's something that we should continue to do as things move forward. Um, hopefully in, you know, 10 years, we don't have to do a special issue where it's like, look at all these women who did everything where we can just have a more inclusive, uh, product every time
1: hopefully one day we have a county board that's all women <laughs> or a town board, right. a town board that's all women um that would be great to see flip the script on us men see what happens to us
0: Well, thank you both for coming in and chatting with me about the philanthropy issue. Uh, Like we've said a couple times now, it is available to check out. So please pick it up and tell us what you think about it. Uh, We're really proud of it. And we're glad that it's able to, uh, that we were able to share the stories that we were able to with it. Uh, With that, thank you both for chatting with me. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.